Are you a Better For You food and beverage CPG founder who is open to talking about your brand and sharing your journey and insights in building your business? If yes, then you are exactly who we're looking for to join us in our goal of creating a show that can become a platform for learning and inspiration for other founders in the industry. I would like to personally invite you to be a guest on this podcast and join me for a conversation so we can help many others succeed in their journey in this challenging industry. Be our next guest by signing up at thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. That's thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. I look forward to having you soon. Brandstar Goes Healthy features founders and CEOs of healthy food and beverage CPG companies who share their biggest successes, hardest failures, strategic learnings, and tactical tips so you can learn from them and help you avoid mistakes and instead succeed in building your own healthy food and beverage brands. If you lead a vegan, plant-based, organic, all-natural, functional, and other healthy food and beverage CPG company, then this show is for you. Hosted by Leonard Grape, founder and CEO of The Vineyard, the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage CPG industry. What's up, everyone? It's Leonard here, and you're listening to the Brand Start Goes Healthy podcast, where we help better-for-you food and beverage CPG companies build stronger brands through first-hand stories and insights from successful CPG founders. Today, I'm joined by Mateen Puyafar, founder and CEO of Seedly Foods, a brand that is on a mission to craft nourishing snacks with whole seeds and produces better-for-you organic chocolate seed barks. Mateen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get going, can you please tell us a brief background about yourself and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So um, I uh, started my business in 2020. Uh, and we, as you said, are on a mission to create clean, nutritious snacks with whole seeds. Primarily, we're focused on lowering sugar using unrefined ingredients and uh, increasing the nutritional value of snacks. So as an example, our chocolate bark has two to three times more protein, uh, two to three times less sugar, and only four grams of net carbs per serving. That's interesting. Uh, before I dive deeper on, on some of the purpose behind your brand, I want to ask this first official question to get more about your story. How did your brand start, Mateen? When and where did you get the idea to start Seedly Foods? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Actually, I was uh, studying architecture um, and I was researching sustainable building materials where I learned about hemp uh, and its use as a building material. Um, And I continued researching and found that uh, there is, you know, this is five years ago, six years ago, there's virtually no hemp industry in the U.S. as it was illegal for such a long time. Um, and so I wanted to figure out a way uh, to sort of jumpstart the industry. Uh, and I saw food as being one of the biggest components. Uh, Canada has a huge hemp food industry, and most of that comes to the U.S. Uh, and so um, one thing led to another. I went to my first Expo West, saw that there was opportunity with with uh, hemp and, and actually seeds in general. Um, and as the business evolved, we started to focus more and more on just generally using seeds as an ingredient. 
Where is that intent coming from, Mateen, to to create something that could be a better for you alternative to the consumer? Yeah, so um, that intent, I I am lucky enough to have that naturally. I grew up in a family where we usually cook our own food. We don't go out as much. Um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to have sodas growing up. You know, water was like our primary beverage. Um, and so I think I'm just uh, lucky to be able to be grown up that way. And when I went to school and saw how poor the options were at my cafeteria and uh, the foods and snacks that we had available to us, you know, I would, I would a lot of times bring food from home. Um, and so I guess that just kind of came naturally to me. Um, but when we look at seeds and uh, the opportunity that they have, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, indulgent snacks usually have uh, like fats and they have uh, sugars and, and, you know, they don't always have other nutritional content. And when you use the whole seed, you don't only get those delicious fats, but and better the protein and the macronutrients that come with it. Tell me more about that transition because you mentioned that your background was actually in architecture and it's a totally different space from being a CPG founder and running a brand within the FNB industry. How was that transition for you? And I could just imagine that there are a lot of nuances about the industry that is so different from <laughs> from the architecture industry and the CPG. How did you figure things out? In a way, it's very different, honestly, but there are also some similarities. Um, you know, building a business, obviously, you have to have a strong foundation and you have to have, you know, all the components of uh, the business that you want to build out, right? And so you have to have that, like, planning aspect to it. Um, and luckily enough, uh, you know, in architecture, I learned a lot about design and um, that helped me with my packaging and I design all my own packaging. So, um, you know, we had a little bit of uh, a design help to get the branding set, but, you know, all the packaging iterations I was able to do because of my uh, background in architecture. Um, but, you know, as far as learning the CPG industry, it's it's like every single day I'm learning more and more. There's so much to learn. Um, and I I, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, there's, there's probably never enough, right? Like there's so much, so many different markets that we could go into and we're only focused right now on the East Coast and the West Coast. So we, you know, we're, we're still learning. 100%. And the CPG industry is continuously evolving. While I'm so much more focused on the better for you space, but generally, I think it's growing and the healthier alternative space uh, is also growing, growing so much. You mentioned something about getting your brand set uh, for, for Seedly and amazing that you've actually done all your packaging design. And I was just alluding to that before we hit record earlier, right? When you said getting your brand set, what did you mean by that? And what were some of the specific steps that you had to do to actually get your brand uh, at a level that you're comfortable to now go to market? Yeah. So, I mean, when we first started, when I first started selling my my first product was a seed bar. Uh, when I first started selling that, you know, it was very, um, you know, undesigned packaging. It was just like a plastic wrapper with a sticker on it, more or less. And I designed that myself. Um, but, you know, as you learn more and more about how consumers make decisions on shelf, it's a lot about the presentation and what it looks like. And people are looking at the branding, you know, and inherently they're just making decisions based on how it looks. Uh, and so I made the decision early on to hire an agency to help us get, you know, our color palette down, our logo down, some of the core brand assets that we're, you know, going to use for years and years to come. Maybe, you know, we refine them as we go, but more or less it's the same. And so we're still using the same primary colors, you know, the, the seedly green and seedly gold that, you know, has stayed with us from day one. 
Um, and I think that has really helped solidify the brand as, you know, something that people recognize on shelf. That's great to know. And it's, a, it's such a classic story that I've seen also among other CPG founders. Typically in the first six to 12 months, you're, you really have to be very scrappy, do your own packaging, just have a, a, a very minimum viable product as, as the tech industry would say, and then get out there. And then as soon as you learn much more about how your consumers react to it, then you have to make sure that you get your branding much firmed up. Uh, after some time. So thank you for sharing that, Mateen. I also want to talk to you about how you got your company up and running. Uh, because as you try to also grow a little bit uh, in certain stages, you'd have to do your production much more in terms of your inventory. So I'm I'm curious, how much, if you're and if you're comfortable in, in sharing this, how, how much did you spend at the beginning? Uh, and did you have to raise money early on just to get your company running and then do your first run of production? Uh, yeah, I, I spent as little as I could, honestly. So um, it was around 40K. Uh, and that half of that was mostly with, with the branding agency. And the other half was just getting like our first products out on the market. Um, but we've been able to uh, sell the product and use that money for the for the next production runs uh, so far. Um, so, you know, switching from one uh, product to another and new flavors, um, you know, I put a little bit of money in myself to keep it going in the middle. But and I know we apply for grants that that helps a lot too with small business, but um, so far it's all self-funded. Congratulations. That, that's not something that's easy to do, especially for a capital intensive business. How are you doing that though? Uh, is it like all of the profit you have to reinvest to, to the back of the business? And then how much of that would be coming from like grants? And are you even looking at raising funds down the line? Yeah, so 100% of our profits goes back to the business. Um, and I think, you know, if I was to do it again, I probably would have um, studied the market a little bit more, but that was part of my learning experience, right? My learning experience was trying one product in one category. And we, we actually went to three different categories before we landed on the chocolate bark. Um, but if, you know, you know, if you have a product in a category you want to go into, I would say, um, by all means, you know, spend one or two years self-funded, but then after that, you know, you have some sales and some evidence of sales and you should probably get funding. That's what we're looking to do now, now that we've landed on the category that we want to go uh, forward with and, and stick to. Um, as we grow the business, we're looking for um, funding or more importantly, uh, a partner, a strategic partner that could help grow the business, not just from a capital perspective, but also from, you know, an experiential perspective, like, um, running a business and growing a business from, um, you know, let's say five figures, six figures, uh, all the way up to like nine, 10. That's such a critical information and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, that. That's something that CPG founders should really think long and hard before getting into this industry, right? Uh, I, I've talked to other founders who've been like 10 years into the game and only realizing like halfway through how the profitability game would be very tricky. So uh, I, I think that's a very important point to try to go, well, first of all, with, with the least possible capital at the beginning, but as you also try to grow, make sure that you're doing a lot of cash revolvement and it's it's easier said than done, right? Um, for, for my next question, you mentioned something about you wish you studied the market much deeper uh, and I think this is in line with my next question, actually. I wanted to to ask, did you have any business assumptions 
prior to starting your Better For You CPG company that looking back now turned out to be wrong? Yeah, I'll rephrase that. I, I, I wish isn't really the best way to put it. If I did it again, I would study the market and be a little bit more focused on a specific category. Uh, the way I went about it was just, you know, I had no experience. And so I kind of learned as I went, it was kind of like maybe three years of university um, in CPG, um, just going and selling my product. But um, yeah, I think uh, what I would say looking back and some assumptions I had was, um, you know, you create a product. And I think I'll, I'll speak for myself, but a lot of founders are like this. You You create a product that you really want to serve a purpose. And a lot of times that's a very lofty goal. You want to create something that's extremely healthy with, you know, as little ingredients as possible. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's not about the founder. It's about the customers who are consuming the product and buying the product. Right. And I think, um, you know, as much as I would want to create, you know, a product that I have in my mind, I think um, maybe, and one thing that's been coming up as I as I continue in this business is how much of the ego of, of the founder or the person who made the product needs to be removed and focus on what is working right now in the market. Um, even if you have a product that would work in five years, it's not going to necessarily get you where you want to get now. And so if you look at what's selling um, and look at what's what people are voting with their dollar to spend on, um, you know, and take away that ego of, of the founder, um, it would be it would be my suggestion. It's kind of the learnings that I've come to to realize. I hundred percent agree with that. I would even go as far as saying that if if the idea of a founder doesn't serve the customers, it's not a great idea, no matter how good you think it is, right? And and sometimes it could be difficult to do, especially if you're too close on on the business. Uh, and and it reminds me so much of of the framework that we've developed for for some time now. And I call this the four quadrants of CPG brand development. The very first quadrant that we have there is actually audience and really going deeper on, on who your target audience is. It's, it's kind of so difficult to get it 100% accurate, but if you have like a very strong base of who your customers really are, uh, what matters to them, and then actually test and validate those assumptions could really help a lot, right? Is that something that you're, you're uh, also keen on um, like telling other founders based on your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, it's all about what the customer uh, thinks and wants, uh, and, and you know, we're creating products to, to serve customers. Uh, and I think, you know, the goal is to create something better than what is out there. Um, but, you know, if you go too far, it could be a little bit, um, maybe uh, a little bit ahead of its time, let's say. Um, and you want to kind of stay to what is uh, current in the market and what people want in the market. Um, you know, I haven't looked at this trend, but I'm sure if you check the trend of sugar in products over the past 10 years or 15 years, you'll see that products are coming out with less and less sugar. And I think, you know, it takes time for people to uh, understand. And, and this is in America I'm talking about specifically. It takes time for people's palates to change, right? Um, and so you want to be, you know, make sure that you're you're not too ahead of, of that curve. Yeah, because one of the most difficult thing to do would be educating your consumers, right? Uh, and and even more more so shifting their their preferences from one thing to another, uh, because truth be told, even if we know that we have to eat healthier, sometimes it's just not the way that people do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And going back to your question, um, you know, one of the reasons why we chose to be uh, a retail company uh, and and selling to to physical brick and mortar stores rather than direct to consumer is to get that feedback 
as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. So, you know, all the retail stores that we're in are within, you know, a maybe 15, 20 mile radius of where we produce the product. Uh, we're lucky enough to be in New York. So we have New York City in our backyard. Um, and so, you know, every single store that we are sold in, we're doing demos, we're getting customer feedback constantly. We're looking at, you know, how many people are buying the product at the store level. Um, and so when we first started out with, you know, five different flavors of of bars and five different flavors of granola. And then, you know, we went from uh, from that to we launched a, a seed butter um, and now we're doing bark and we landed on the bark and decided to put the others on, on on hold. It's because of looking at those numbers and getting the feedback from our customers. That's 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 really great to hear. Making business decisions to be anchored on on real consumer insights, right? You, you mentioned that you're mainly a retail company. I want to expand on that. Talk to me about sales. Uh, what are you doing in terms of your retail presences that you think are helping you grow in retail? Yeah, so um, we recently launched three new flavors, two new flavors, and and redid our packaging. Um, you know, I think that's always important, right? To to look at um, the packaging and what your packaging is saying to the customer, and you know, try to uh, always improve that as much as possible. That's sort of like um, your presence on shelf is is constantly doing marketing for you. Um, the other thing that we're focused on is finding distribution partners uh, in our area that can help us get to the customers that we want to get to. Um, and right now, as a small company, because of you know the quality of products that or ingredients that we put in our product, everything is organic, um, and everything is uh, coming from you know whole unrefined ingredients, which naturally makes it more expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Our product has to be a little bit more expensive; it's premium. Um, and so we need to find distributors that are going to the right retailers that our product will sell at. I'm glad that you mentioned that because before we hit record, I was telling you that I sense some kind of premiumness from from your packaging design, right? Uh, and and I totally agree with you on that. Packaging would be your one of your more immaculate marketing assets. Uh, and in your presence on the shelf, I love how you put it. It's constantly marketing for you, but you have to really always iterate uh, and be sure that what your packaging is saying would be the things that matter to your customers and would actually attract their attention. Uh, in my case, I would say it's it's like your five to seven second rule. If you miss that window and then with 40 other products on shelf that are competing uh, for your customer's attention, it's going to be so difficult. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Mateen. I, I want to shift gears a little bit in our conversation and go deeper in terms of your product branding. I know we've touched on this uh, here and there, but how would you define Seedly as a, as a brand? And what do you think has been the impact of brand development on, on your business? Yeah, I would start off with the with the lighter part of your questions. You know, the impact of brand development, I think as a small business, um, you know, are sometimes easier to replicate if someone wants time. I think that the branding is really the biggest uh, asset that you can have to protect yourself um, and, you know, what you've created. Do you take that very seriously? Um, and seedly are using whole unrefined ingredients, primarily seeds, uh, to create better for you products. Um, but again, it's the trust that we're trying to build with our customers around the types of ingredients that they can expect and the flavor and the palate and the sugar content and the nutritional content that they can expect from our products, right? So whatever we, we launch as a brand in whatever category, we'll have a lot less sugar than you're, than you're used to in that category. It will have a balanced amount of protein and it'll have also a a variety of macronutrients to help, you know, fuel your body. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. A couple more questions before I try to work towards wrapping up Mateen. 
I'm curious to ask, what are your metrics for success for your company at this stage? Meaning, how, how do you gauge if you're going into the right direction for, for your business? A quick break, CPG founders. Here's a hard truth. You can never win on product quality alone. It doesn't matter how great your product is if people don't know about it. It doesn't matter how delicious your product is if people don't get to try it. So if you really want to win in the better for you food and beverage CPG industry, you need to equip your great product with powerful messaging and effective marketing. That's what differentiates successful CPG brands from unsuccessful ones. If you're tired of figuring out how to move from unclear to a messaging that works and from weak to a marketing that captures attention, then we have the expertise, framework, and tools to help you out. If you want to learn more how we can help you, reach out to us by heading on to www.thevineyardvc.com. Now, back to the conversation. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that um, the biggest metric, especially in the climate of, of industry that we're in right now in CPG, um, is increasing our revenue uh, while also uh, getting our margins and our uh, profit margins higher as we grow um, and not to sacrifice um, sort of like the foundation that we've built as a small business, not to sacrifice, you know, the percentage of, of, of uh, profit or the percentage of, of margin that we've created uh, as we grow and keep that. Yeah. And then that's, that, that's always a difficult thing to do, right? Uh, in, in the CPG stage, because as you try to grow, your profitability would also change. It can dip high and low, obviously. A- any particular tactic that you're trying to to do uh, to make sure that you're getting getting those metrics right for you, Mateen? Well, I think specifically what becomes attractive or, or um, you know, a lot of founders may want to do is to sacrifice those options for growth, right? Like, you know, maybe you can get into a specific account or you could open up a specific distribution center uh, if you lowered your price or if you were able to, you know, cut back on your margin. Um, and so... Uh, what our tactics are is to find the right distributors and the right retailers for us right now uh, with our current uh, price point uh, that are able to, you know, carry our products and sell our products, uh, create a win-win relationship. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, this has been really great. And But right now, I wanted to do some some recap of the highlights that I've gotten so far from this conversation, Mateen. And then I'll ask the last question before we go to the final segment of the show. Uh, f- first of all, you emphasize the importance of having a strong business foundation. I think that's, a, that's just an empowering perspective because you came from the architectural industry, but you brought a lot of that business foundation involving planning and design uh, to really help you thrive more even when you're entering into an unfamiliar territory. You also highlighted the fact that it's important to get your branding set as early as possible. In fact, in your case, it's part of your of your early stage efforts before you even launch your your company, right? But be sure that you start with with your MVP and then you improve as you learn more about consumers. But what's striking for me would be this insight that visual is very important. So you have to constantly be looking at your branding and packaging design. As you said, people inherently buy based on looks. So I think that's that's so important for, for a lot of other founders. And if you're trying to grow, one principle that I got from you is really figuring out how to have a positive revolving cash flow because you need to reinvest 
most likely 100% of your profit back to the business if you really want to grow. But a good a good guiding point that you share there is if you can be self-funded within the first two years uh, so you, that you, you'll have lesser risk, I think, and then you'll be more in control of how you run the business, that'll be great. But obviously along the way, you have to also be opening your radar on some funding support, uh, whether that's um, angel investors or your family around or even VC down the line. And now I appreciate also you being open in terms of sharing your assumptions. And the main item there that I got is while as a better for you CPG company, most of the founders also that I've been talking to would want to create a product that serves a big purpose, but it can have a tendency that it becomes such a lofty goal. So a good guide here, it should not be about the founder, but about the consumer. So be sure that you have your ego check as you're coming along and really focus on what the customers or what the market is, is trying to say. Now, being a retail company uh, versus a direct-to-consumer, you also, again, emphasize the fact of the fact of redoing your packaging every now and then, but with the intent of understanding what does your packaging is actually saying you're telling your customers. Because your presence on shelf, and this is how you put it, is constantly doing marketing for you. Um, and part of the tactics that you're doing in growing in retail would be making sure that you get the right retail accounts and you also partner with the right distribution partners. Uh, now, in terms of how you look at the importance of brand development. I actually love how you put that branding could be your biggest asset that you can have to protect yourself. Uh, because you're right, I've never seen it that way. To be honest, as a small business, it's, it can easily be um, copied by others or it could be like replicated by others. But it's almost like your, your way of doing your intellectual property. But in the branding standpoint, obviously, if you can do that legally, you should as well. But at the same time, in terms of the business inside from there, it's how you also try to build the trust that you're building with your customers. And if you have a clear brand in the case of Seedly, you always know that your guiding values would be to help reduce sugar content uh, and create a healthier alternative snacks for, for the market. And brand can do a lot of um, positive impact on that note. Now, in terms of metrics for success, uh, I think you put it very well. It's really increasing revenue while also getting your margins, uh, your profit margins higher and higher. But not to say that you wouldn't consider the tactic of playing around with your price points and margins if that would allow you to attract the right retail partners or right distribution partners and just making sure that you have a long-term mindset on how you'd want to recoup that uh, down the line. Is that a fair collection of some of the insights that you shared, uh, Mateen? And anything you want to add to that before I ask the final question? I think that was that was excellent. Yeah, that was exactly on point. Okay, I, I'd like to ask now my my last question, which I typically prefer to be a bit more personal. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Mateen, what so far is the most surprising fact that you've discovered about yourself in your journey as a CPG founder? I would say that... Um... The most surprising fact is how much uh, discipline, uh, personal discipline it, it takes, um, not just like as a founder. Um, it's just, you know, there are so many ups and downs and there are struggles that you just have to be so resilient. And I think a lot of that just is sheer discipline. Yeah. You know, it takes so much to start a run and constantly build the business. 
uh, especially in the CPG space. So self-discipline, I totally agree with that. Thank you so much, Mateen, for, for being so open and sharing those answers. But I'd like us to go now to the last segment of the show, which I call the finish line. It's the lightning round, essentially, where I have five questions that I want you to answer as concise as possible this time. Are you good? Let's do it. First off, name a characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed. Resilience. Yeah, as you just mentioned. Uh, second would be yeah. book or podcast that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read or listen to. Uh, Ramping Your Brand by Dr. James Richardson. Yeah, I've been hearing that book a lot. So it's a great recommendation. Next one. What is one thing that you fear the most as a founder? I would say like growth plateauing. So okay. to have, um, you know, your business plateau yeah and and i sense that it, it's gonna be like hard to figure out what's what's wrong with that at that stage right and how, how you move from that plateau so it makes sense uh next one would be if you're not an entrepreneur now what do you think would you be instead uh i would say musician or architect huh if, if musician a- any particular instrument or role in yeah drummer oh that's that's cool uh and finally mateen i want you to complete this sentence Success is? Success is freedom. Yeah, short but powerful. Once again, thank you so much, Mateen, for your time and for being so generous in sharing your story and insights. But before I let you go, can you please tell us where is the best place for people to learn about you and Seedly Foods? Yeah, so uh, Seedly Foods, uh, you can check out our website, eatseedly.com. Our Instagram is also at eatseedly. Uh, and if you want to connect with me, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Just search for my name, M-A-T-E-E-N-P-O-U-Y-A-F-A-R. Uh, I'm happy to connect and yeah, please reach out. Great. We'll make sure to link those up in the show notes. And once again, Mateen, thanks for being here and may God bless you. Hey there, wonderful person. As a Better For You food and beverage CPG founder, you know firsthand how difficult it can be to start, run, and build a CPG brand. Many wish that they can learn straight from others who have gone on the same journey. This is the reason why we started this podcast, to provide a platform for learning and inspiration for other founders in the industry. So if you want to take part in helping others, I invite you to be a guest on the show. Talk about your brand and share your story and insights by signing up at thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. That's the vineyardbc.com slash podcast. I look forward to having you on the show.